0: The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey guys, welcome back to We Met at Acme. I'm so happy that we're doing this bonus episode because I just couldn't wait another second to bring you Jeff. Therapy Jeff is just the bright light among the chaos that this world has. I mean, he's just amazing. Like I loved recording with him. I learned so much from him and I really just vibe with his energy. Like he is fully grounded to the earth and you'll you'll see that in his astrological chart and it it could, it really shows. I have to say it really shows. And I feel like he gives incredible advice, so I'm so grateful that I was able to get him on this podcast. Before we get into that, I'm just going to reflect a little bit on Sunday's episode. Yes, it was wild. I know many people are outraged. Many people, you know, not as many people, but some people reached out to me and they said, you know, this is what I've been told or... I have seen this happen. And so I think the bottom line is like, it's about your environment. Like I brought it up to the men in my life and they were vehemently against everything that she said. They were like, it's just, it's just ridiculous. You know, it's just, it's not the case. And I actually have my dad here on speakerphone because I just really needed to bring back hope into this world so that you guys don't think that this is normal what this woman said, what Nellie said, even though, you know, I'm sure she's a good person and I don't want to be say anything bad about her, but I, I just I can't agree with what she said. So I wanted my dad to kind of share what he thinks as well. So Dad, what were your thoughts on if, you know, a high value man is someone that cheats and you turn the other cheek, et cetera? well, I think the first thing that struck me uh, when I listened
2: to her podcast and heard her talk about high value men uh, well obviously I'm the father of girls, but so I may be a little biased, but i um you know she didn't mention anything about high value women, and it just seemed to me her uh, she was coming from a place that was you know, I'd say anti-feminist and I'd and, and say bordering on misogynistic the way she looked at relationships. And I don't know if it had to do with uh, what she went through when she was younger or how she uh, was raised or the experience she had with her own family. But I, I just found it sort of um, shocking that um, she would assume that um, that this was, it was a... Uh, a double standard here for men uh, versus women. And, um, you know, so that, that's, that's, I don't agree with her viewpoint. And I think uh, most of the uh, couples, friends that we've had for many, many years who are in long-term relationships and have, you know, partners where equality is very important. I, I just, I, I it's not something that we've experienced uh, in our personal, in our close personal relationships. And yeah. uh, I've been married to you know, your mother for 38 years. And I don't think, uh, you know, I think we're both high value. And I, I think, uh, you know, our relationship is such that we don't need to go outside of our relationship and find other sexual partners that never <laughs> had, had that in interest. So yeah. I mean, that's part of the commitment you make when you, when you uh, get uh, married in the first place. So. Agreed.
0: And then lastly, what did you mean when you... You say your joke, obviously, about I married my second wife first. Obviously, it's a joke, but what's the, <laughs> what is like the implication behind it? Well, I mean, <laughs> the reason I make that joke is because I think your, your mother, uh, At uh, we don't need to talk
2: about how old she is, but um, we're around the same age and she still looks fabulous. And so, you know, when I say I married my second wife first, so, you know, it the it, it fact that it, she's, she still looks great and uh she uh she could be uh you know <laughs> she could be a second wife I and mean, then you um you know when you you marry you know your second wife generally is much younger and if you, if you have that uh, situation where you your marriage fails for whatever reason you generally you'll get married and one of the partners may be you know much younger and Who knows uh, what happened? So it's just it's just something that I think is is cute, and uh, she's actually sick of me telling the joke already, but um, Mm -hmm. I'll stand by it.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay, I love that, and I agree. I think it's just like I think what you're saying is just that she looks like a second wife because she's such a babe. Um, So (laughs) exactly,
2: I I still find her after you know forty plus years together very attractive, which I I think is a That's unusual, but uh, that's—I was very fortunate to uh, find someone and build a relationship and a family where we still um, don't feel that way about each other. So
0: I love that. Thanks,
2: Dad. Okay,
0: anytime. So, wherever your thought process is, there, um, I think it was definitely a an interesting you know, it's always interesting to hear people who have a very different perspective. And you know, I'm all about that on the podcast. And so I'm happy that we had her on and I'm happy that she shared her truth. But that doesn't mean that it's my truth. It doesn't have to be your truth. And it doesn't mean that it's the truth. I think I want everyone to know, listening to this podcast, that you don't have to settle for somebody who Cheats on you. You don't have to turn the other cheek. And what about a high value woman? Right. I, I'd imagine everyone listening to this podcast is a high value woman, and I consider myself to be a high value woman. And what about what about that? You know what about it? The one thing Nelly did mention, which I want to unpack a little bit more, is feminine energy. And we have um, another episode coming out for you on Sunday with a man named Andre, and he talks all about feminine energy. And he's also a bit of a polarizing person. So I'm curious what you think of his take. So stay tuned for that. Um, I'm not going to say too much about it because I want him to speak his truth as well. Somebody asked, how do you deal with friends that are in mean relationships, like they're mean to each other in front of friends? That's tough. I mean, we all have couples like that in our orbit. I certainly do. I think that there's not really much you can do. Um, you're not going to step in. You kind of just have to like let them work it out between them. I, I like. I know it sounds shitty to hear, but like, unless they're, God forbid, like abusing each other, there there's not like. You It's their relationship, and nobody knows people's relationships like the people in them. And so maybe you can you know talk about it later with your other friends or with your significant other. I didn't like the way blah, blah, blah spoke to blah, 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 but that's kind of all you can do unless one of them asks you, "Do you think that you know John is Joan, Jane, whatever, will, whatever their name is, is nice to me and then you can be like ah i think they could be nicer you know so whatever it is like um you have to kind of be invited to comment on that i'm going to answer one more question and then i really want to turn it over to jeff because he is just amazing um how to not lose friends in the honeymoon stage of a relationship and how to salvage it i think you go into this you know with your heart but you bring your head as well meaning you continue to have a life like you can't just go full force into this relationship and forget about your friendships forget about your plans start you know prioritizing this person over everything that's been in your life for so many years i think that's that's how you not lose friends like you remember them you actively make plans with them and by the way like The person that you're dating is going to be turned on, if anything, by the fact that, like, you're still prioritizing your friends and you're still seeing them and making plans with them and talking to them. If you're not doing that, that's where the red flag is, you know? Like, they're going to be like, wait, you're just free every day, every night. Like, don't you have a life? Don't you have friends? That's kind of how it goes. Like, and like as a friend of someone getting into a relationship, I think you would also be turned off by that person if you never saw them again. So it's it's a balance, but like you have to continuously make plans with your friends. Like just because you are excited in this honeymoon stage doesn't mean that you can forget about like, where you came from. Okay, one more. How to get over breakup and rules. Why no contact? Does watching IG stories count? I mean, you can watch them, but like from a different account, probably. It's best to mute them from your own account I would say no contact works because it's just the best way to get over somebody. It really is. Like, it's just, there's some science behind it. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not a scientist, but I'm telling you no contact is the best way. It's also the best way for them to miss you. If that's your goal, if you're like toxic and you want them to miss you, like, you know, many of us are, then don't talk to them because we only think about the people who don't talk to us, right? I mean, think about who you think about, do the same, Um, Okay, on to Therapy Jeff. I'm so excited for you to hear him and can't wait to hear your thoughts. Hey, guys, welcome back to We Met at Acme. I'm so excited to be here with the one and only Therapy Jeff. Hey, Jeff.
1: Hey, how's it going? It's good. It's good. How are you? Yeah. I mean, it's kind of a gloomy day here in Portland, Oregon. We still haven't like reached the sunny days. So mm-hmm. everyone's pretty sad and upset about it, but really excited for the sun to eventually come.
0: It'll come. I have a feeling it'll come soon.
1: It always um,
0: does. It always does. So Jeff, how old are you and where are you from originally?
1: I am 41 years old and I grew up in Santa Monica, California. And I loved it there. It was sunny and lots of great things to do. Huge place to kind of like run around and get in trouble in. But then in 2005, after I got my graduate degree in marriage family therapy, I was like, cool, I'm totally fucking done with LA. And also, I kind of want to get away from this family. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I moved up to Portland, Oregon and never looked back.
0: Nice. Nice. Mm -hmm. I love that. And what is your current relationship status?
1: Well, I was married for... Uh, almost nine years. Mm-hmm. And that ended right before the pandemic. And then I was dating during the pandemic. And I'm currently in a relationship right now for the last year and a half with Stacy.
0: Awesome. We love Stacey. How did
1: you guys meet? <laughs> we met on Hinge and it was like, it was really fun and weird to be dating during the pandemic and mm-hmm. in Portland and probably everywhere else. It was kind of like, how are we doing this? Right. Lots of Zoom dates, lots of like meeting in the park. And it had that like, I don't know if anyone else or how many other people experienced this, but it was sort of like, there was a lot of like, uh, if you kissed somebody or like had sex or did anything physical, then all of a sudden that's it, you're exclusive. Mm -hmm. Because you can't like fuck around with somebody and then mess around with somebody else because you could be passing COVID. Like we didn't know what was going on and that was like a real fear and what the hell is. So there was a lot of like, small, kind of quick, exclusive relationships that I would have. And then I would take two weeks off and then get back out there after I feel like maybe COVID had left my system if I had caught it. So Stacy was one of those people where I was like, okay, we kissed and like, that's it. We're exclusive basically. And we're still exclusive today.
0: <laughs> I love that. Do you think that that kind of experiment that we had to do was actually a good idea to like be exclusive with someone right away or mm, you would rather like be testing the waters
1: I guess it's all relative but I think it's like it was a really interesting experiment that Mm -hmm. maybe had like overall a good positive impact like I like that it sort of slowed people down and made you really think about what you're doing and it sort of like made it so that you couldn't really rush into anything really physical and if you did you understood there was like real consequences you know yeah. like this yeah. is kind of a thing that you have to think about uh so that sort of like flipped the script especially in portland where everyone's fucking poly and non-monogamous and i love it like go for it i I love that you're doing that, but also like, maybe you just need to be a lot more conscious and aware of like the impact of hooking up with somebody or having sex with somebody and what that can do to like feelings of attachment and all that, you know, all that being said, though. I think that there is a lot of like positives to like dating around or dating multiple people. I just think that like the pandemic made us a lot more intentional about what we're yeah. doing and that's probably an overall good thing. What do you think?
0: I agree. It was like a small window and I happen to be in the same boat as you and Stacy and now I'm married. So, Ooh, I dress. guess it I can't hate it. It definitely <laughs> was something that I would not like I would not have probably been monogamous as well actually that's not true our timing happened to line up to the mm-hmm. point where like i was ready to to stick to just my husband as the pandemic hit mm-hmm. so it was perfect but it would be interesting if it were like a little too early in my eyes what would have mm-hmm. happened but so i have to ask you because we're into astrology here on the podcast when is your birthday
1: december 27th i'm okay, obviously a capricorn. a capricorn i'm i'm a capricorn and i'm like Virgo rising and Taurus mm-hmm. moon like I'm just like the most earthy person. I'm like so incredibly fucking anchored into the ground. And I think that's what like makes me a good therapist just like I'm solid. I got you. I'm not going mm-hmm. anywhere. So, I am proudly a Capricorn.
0: I love that. I have a lot of similarities in my in my chart as well. I'm a Virgo rising too, and I'm a Capricorn moon.
1: Mm. So
0: that makes me feel good that I have similarities with you. And then I want to quickly, briefly talk about your your marriage because we had asked people to submit questions. And one of the questions actually applies to something that I want to ask you since you were in this nine-year Relationship. Sorry, it wasn't a marriage. It was a relationship. Or was it, it a was marriage? It was a marriage. Yeah, okay. we were married.
1: We were, we, were like dating, we were together for like 10 years, married okay. for like eight or so years. All
0: right. So you were married and you were with someone for a while. How did you know that it was like the end of the relationship versus something you should continue to work on? <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, fuck, that's it. I'm like thinking personally instead of like giving my like therapeutic advice. So Kate was who I was married to and she was great. We had like so much in common. She also like happened to be I think maybe like a lot of us go through this, we're like in our youth, we're like kind of dating a little chaotically. We're a bit immature. We're just Mm -hmm. like trying our best, but like making a mess out there. Sometimes like leaving people in worse condition than when we found them, it's like, all Mm kind of not okay and fucked up, but also developmentally appropriate. And then I met Kate, like when I turned 30 or right around then, and Kate felt like, oh my God, this is this is an adult relationship like she's direct straight up she's like has this like really interesting job she feels really solid and secure and i feel like i bring all those traits too so like all of a sudden like the chaos of my 20s melts away i meet kate it feels so adult feels so nice and part of maybe we can talk about this also or later, but like part of the appeal of being with people that are a little bit more like unpredictable or chaotic or like what the fuck are we doing is it's super sexy. Mm -hmm. Like that is hot and it makes us like really want to fuck that person. And like, so the sex life chemistry is sort of like off the charts with Kate (laughs) it's going to sound bad and maybe it is kind of bad. It wasn't like that because it was so secure and so Mm -hmm. stable. And there's something about like being in a stable, secure relationship that is not hot. Like it actually doesn't make us like more attracted to that person. We don't want to have sex as much as we would with somebody that's like super chaotic. It doesn't mean that that can't happen. Whatever, whatever. And but so there was that. Like that was like the first initial appeal of like this feels like an adult relationship. Maybe it's not like the most chemistry ever, but that's actually a good sign. And sometimes that really can be a good sign yada yada yada. One of our like one of the problems was that like she is more avoidant, classically avoidant, and I like while I can be secure if I'm within an avoidant, I can skew anxious, and so I want like more emotional connectivity, I want more quality time. she's just like, you know what like I'll give you what I can give you, but then I need to like go do my own thing and i and so she sort of like got into this place of like. Uh, She didn't really want to be the type of wife that I wanted her to be. And Mm -hmm. I wasn't the type of husband that she wanted me to be. And we didn't really figure that out until years into it because there was so much that we had in common. Same sense of humor, same values, same, like lots of same interests and hobbies. When is her birthday? (laughs) November 26th. Okay. What does that make her? She's a Sag. She's a Sag. That's right. So we went to therapy, we went to couples counseling, and that was good. And sometimes couples counseling reveals like how much each person is willing or able to change. She wasn't willing or able to change in the way that I needed her to. I wasn't able to do it for her. And we still hung in there after couples counseling, but it was just sort of like we became you know roommates like best friend roommates that didn't feel super connected and that's when i knew like i had to call it it was, the, the problem was is that like that sort of relationship was actually working for her and a lot of times like if you're with an avoidant if it it like it can default into like serving the avoidant and not serving the anxious and i'm the one that has to end it because she's just like this is fine
0: Yeah. Oh my God. You're like speaking to my soul. Cause I feel like that was a relationship I
1: was in too. And the, and and the like, one more thing is like, I started to form closer relationships with like some of my friends and all my fucking, most of my friends are women and therapists because I'm a therapist that's dominated by women in like a field of women. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, Oh, this feels like not really Like, it's okay, but it doesn't feel great because I'm starting to get like more emotionally connected with my women friends. Mm -hmm. So that was like a really big red flag. And Mm. that was like the final nail in the coffin.
0: Thank you for being so open about that. That's really helpful to so many people listening, I'm sure. Did you ever find a piece of jewelry that you love and you wanted to have an inscription in it, but you couldn't do it because that specific piece didn't offer it and you were like, that's really annoying. I wanted to do this for my bridesmaids or I wanted to do this for my mom or my sister or whoever. Well, with Golden, you can do that with any piece of their jewelry. In fact, Each piece is handmade just for you. You choose your metal size and personal encryptions to be hand stamped by their makers. Each piece comes with a letter pressed, gift ready packaging, a handwritten note, so cute, and a jewelry care kit. And also, Golden is a female founded and run company with a workforce consisting of 80% women. What's better than women supporting women? I really cannot tell you. Well, maybe you supporting Golden because they support a women run podcast like we met at Acme. It's really such an amazing company. And I love all the jewelry I've gotten from Golden. So for you guys, you can use code ACME at checkout for 15% off your first purchase. You just go to G L D N. .com to find your perfect piece and make it yours. That's gldn.com and use code ACME at checkout for 15% off your first purchase, whether it is earrings, necklace, bracelet, whatever you're in the mood for, Golden's got it for you. They also donate 10% of all profits and their price point is amazing. Did I mention it's made by hand? And you can personalize anything that you want to. So go to GLDN.com to find the perfect piece for you and use code ACME at checkout for 15% off your first purchase. I have officially blocked off two days per week to cook. And it sounds so simple. And like, obviously, oh my God, of course, it's so important to cook. But really, like, we forget to. We love going out to eat. And like, we don't know what they're putting in our food when we go out to eat. Like, we just, we don't know. And that's why I'm so happy that we have partnered with Hungry Root. If you haven't heard of Hungry Root, It is the easiest way to get fresh, high quality food delivered to your door. They've got healthy groceries and simple recipes all in one place. We are so happy to have them supporting the podcast and we want to support what they do because it's amazing. All you have to do is take a fun, short quiz and Hungry Root gets to know you, your goals and how you like to eat. Are you gluten-free? Do you like sweets? What is your goal with, you know, cooking more? Hunger Root then recommends groceries that they think that you'll love. You can take their suggestions or you can choose what you want from their fresh produce, high quality meat and seafood, pantry staples, healthy snacks, sweets, and so much more. Plus, you're saving so much money on whatever you currently spend on groceries because they're also coming up with meals for you to create. So you're not just getting a bunch of things and being like, oh yeah, maybe I'll cook blah, blah, blah. And then ending up throwing out your spinach at the end of the week or throwing out all the meats that you bought, which I do way too frequently. But Hunger Root actually does it so that you only eat all of the groceries that you have. No waste. Plus you're saving money and you never have to think about what's for dinner or breakfast or lunch again. It's pretty epic. Right now, Hungry Root is offering We Met at Acme listeners 30% off your first delivery and free veggies for life. Just go to hungryroot.com slash Acme to get 30% off your first delivery and get your free veggies. That's hungryroot.com slash Acme. And don't forget to use our link so they know that we sent you from this podcast. Something that you mentioned, which really just like got my wheels turning was how it's just not sexy to be in a stable relationship. And I was just talking to a friend of mine, actually, who, you know, she's married and they haven't had sex in a long, long time. Mm-hmm. And we we were talking about it, but we didn't say, I mean, you like, you put it in one sentence, basically what we were trying to figure <laughs> out. And it's true, and so I have this kind of theory that I'm—I'm I'm not going to lie—I borrowed it from my friend who—who who is amazing and so wise, and she she calls it the ninety ten theory.
1: Mm-hmm. And is she that?
0: says, in a relationship, in order for it to work, in like a marriage relationship, you have to have ninety percent security and ten mm-hmm. percent insecurity. Mm-hmm. Because that's what keeps it sexy. You know, Mm -hmm. if you are 100% sure that this slob on the couch or whatever, right, is not going anywhere no matter what you do, and no one's hitting on them, or vice versa, you know, this nagging wife Mm -hmm. or whatever role you want to put in this blank, then no one else is going to want this partner. Then, like, you're more likely to just like kind of give up yourself in a way and like not try, not be as attracted to them. So, as a therapist, what do you think of 90 10?
1: As a therapist, I don't want to support it, but like as a human being, I think that's right. Like, mm-hmm. as a therapist, I don't want to support it because I'm sort of like, well, you can like get your needs met and feel really secure and still well, have that's like not a thriving 90 is like, like, like
0: an A minus.
1: That's true, that's a really good point. So I might actually support as a therapist as well. There's just something about that, like whether it's insecurity or anxiety, or you're feeling a little threatened, or like you know that like your person could like find somebody else. Like there, like there's just something. There's something that makes you like want to like grab onto that person even more. That kind Mm -hmm. of like makes things even hot. I don't. I don't know. Like some of it is caused by like Hollywood or fucking. The Bachelor reality right. shows or whatever, where it's just like, we're trained to be like, oh, drama and these like, that's what's like in a relationship. And some of it is kind of like the our role models growing up in our family where we're like, we see the chaos and I guess that's what love is or something. But there's also just sort of like, don't be too chill, like appreciate right. what you have. And if you lose it, you're going to regret it. So totally.
0: It and I feel like it's also about like, you should value your partner high enough that you think that, like, they're a catch, not like in a delusional way. You know how everyone thinks that, like, mm-hmm. someone's gonna steal their man and, like, no one wants to steal their man, but it's like you should think that your partner is, like, great enough that, like, when they're at that business trip or whatever at that conference, mm-hmm. someone else is gonna recognize that. Because if mm-hmm. you don't think that, then why are you with them in the first place? Like, why are you with someone that no one at the conference is going to find charming or something? You know? You're
1: know, you not going to respect them. You're right. just not going to maybe find them attractive. And there's something about like fearing like, oh, somebody else could hook up with them or have sex with them or that like there's like a biological thing that goes off inside of us of like, well, like now I want to have sex with them. And then when you Mm -hmm. have sex with your person, you like chemically, like energetically, you feel more attached to them. Now you feel more secure and that feels Mm -hmm. really good. So it's this sort of like, it's this thing that can really like heat things up.
0: Yeah. Oh, I love that. Thank you for just, the validation of my ninety ten. <laughs> sure. Okay. So I had asked our listeners to submit some questions for you, and they sure did. So let's get started with them. The mm-hmm. first one was how to tell the difference between controlling and healthy boundaries in a relationship.
1: Yeah. This one's tricky just because like... Sometimes you can't tell on the surface if the boundary is controlling or healthy. And it really depends on the intention of the person creating that boundary. So let's say like you get into a fight with your partner. You're really fucking pissed. There There's things that were said that were very hurtful. And your partner is like, I don't want to talk tonight. I will talk to you tomorrow. Uh, so they've set a boundary because like they just can't do it. And they're going to talk tomorrow. So are they setting the boundary to be healthy? (laughs) If they are, then they're like, I know that if I continue talking to you tonight, then I'm going to like, I'm activated. I'm going to be mean. I'm going to rip your fucking head off. I can't handle my shit. I'm feeling hijacked. So I'm going to like take a nap, go to sleep, hang with my friends. And then we're going to talk about it tomorrow because then I'm going to be grounded and remember how much I love you. That's a healthy boundary. But if but if the person is just like, well, actually, you really fucking hurt me. You want to continue talking about it now. You know it would fucking hurt you if I didn't talk to you at all tonight or even tomorrow or for the next few days. So I'm setting the, a boundary because you're a turd and I want to mm. punish you. And fuck you. <laughs> so mm-hmm. like, that's the difference. But like, if you just get a text that says like, I can't talk. I don't want to talk tonight. I want to talk tomorrow. You have no idea if they're being an asshole or if they're being like a healthy person that you should like feel really good being with. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, I I agree 100%. But like for me, it's almost immediately toxic when someone's like, I need space. Mm-hmm. Like I don't, I this is just like a, thought like this is just a thought feeling whatever when i am like you know if i just had a fight with my partner like i'm like okay and maybe it's like the like a jewish my jewish family who like always needs to talk about everything like as it happens you know but i'm like let's continue to figure this out until both of us feel good Mm -hmm. and then we can move on like very much like the let's not go to bed go to bed angry type of thing. But it's interesting that you're saying it's like okay and healthy to go to bed angry essentially
1: <laughs> I mean, I'm with you. Like I'm the type of person that wants to like process it until. We don't need to process process it anymore, and I don't need a fucking break like let's get into the shit. It's also like just really interesting and energizing to me and Same. you know like I want to dig into that shit
0: right when the emotions are like fresh and like the yeah. feelings are fresh, I'm like, what were you just feeling just now that made you say this thing that you know
1: <laughs> yes, but if i'm- ta- if I'm dating somebody or married to somebody who doesn't want to do that or who can't do that. I'm going to try to be more okay with it if they're like, babe, like, <laughs> I need to like take a break because I'm so triggered that I'm going to rip your fucking head off, that I'm yeah. going to say really mean things to you. And that's what my wife actually used to say. We can keep talking about this, but I'm going to say really mean shit. That I so don't want to say and that you just des- mm-hmm. that you don't deserve, but it's you're not gonna be able to come back from it. Like I'm gonna say things that are horrible to you. And oh God, I was so fucking interested in what the hell that was. I'd be like, mm. let's take a time out. What exactly <laughs> would you say that like we wouldn't be able to bounce back from? She never told me, but I imagine that it was like some sort of like deep insecurity. So yeah. that she would like pick on or something just to get that space. So if somebody's like emotionally enough aware and they're like, I can't talk to you. I also need them to be like, I'm don't want to talk to you and I'm doing this for the sake of our relationship. Right. I'm doing this because I love you. And I can't wait to fucking talk to you and figure this shit out in two hours or tomorrow night, or like you have to give me a time of exactly when it's going to happen and then I'm going to like be a little bit better although I'll probably be pretty anxious until then.
0: Yeah, but you c- you think that it could work out with somebody who needs time and somebody who wants to process right away.
1: I think it can work out, but it's a challenge. However, mm-hmm. that challenge can like create like a good amount of like healthy growth. But you you too need to be like very understanding of where you're coming from. Like if you're dating me or if you're dating somebody like you who's like wants to do like all the processing and will feel pretty fucking anxious if it's not done and you have to go to sleep angry, then like you have to try your best to like meet me in the middle. Right. And I'm gonna have to try my best too. And both of your needs aren't going to be met. And that's kind of like what's gonna happen. But if it's more important for you to not have to go through that bullshit. please don't be together. Like go find somebody who's like more a match when it comes to talking through shit. The risk for like the, for two people that don't want to talk through it immediately and both want space is that there's not enough glue. Is that those people might just like not come back together or ever talk about anything. So the people that are like me and you who who might be like dating somebody more avoidant who needs space or whatever it is, we are the fucking glue that's keeping that shit together. So you need to appreciate us. We are
0: the fucking glue. (laughs) Along the same lines, somebody asked how to prevent old issues and patterns triggering and worsening new arguments with your partner.
1: Mhm. I mean, you know, I'm a therapist, so of course I'd be like go to therapy, although right. therapy isn't always accessible or available or convenient, so but yeah, go to therapy dig through your shit, see if you can like figure things out. If you can't, or at least one of the things that you kind of like would try to address in therapy is like understanding understanding when you're triggered and when you're not triggered. (laughs) So old patterns that are from old relationships or old family patterns or whatever, they usually come up when we like start to overreact. And when we're overreact, we're feeling triggered. And when we're triggered, it's really hard to like be in your... Quote unquote wise mind, like the like cortex, the frontal lobe of your brain, where you're like seeing all perspectives. You're like thinking logically and rationally. You can like understand somebody else's experience and talk about yours in like a direct, compassionate way. So if you're going to like try to prevent old shit from coming up, you have to name for yourself and for your partner when you're getting triggered. And then you have to do something about it. That might be space or it might be like extra closeness or it might be distractions or it might be hugs or it might be going for a walk or doing fitness and if you can do that and then like feel loved by your partner, then all of a sudden it sort of like starts to act like a corrective experience. Yeah. Um, so if you feel like if you have abandonment issues and you've always been left by past partners, and then you get like something triggers you in the relationship, and you're like, oh no, my person's gonna leave me, you're triggered, you're, fe- you're gonna like fearing that you're gonna feel abandoned. If you can be like, hey, I wanna let you know I'm triggered and I feel like you're gonna leave me. I just need you to be closer to me right now so I can feel soothed. So don't even like talk about like the context of like what happened or why you're triggered. Just be like hold my hand babe, like give me a kiss, hold me, whatever and then you can calm down and then your person can be like, "Oh no. I love you. I'm not I was just wanting to go like play basketball. No big deal." Yeah.
0: So I just I would never say that to my partner. Like I would never be like, "I think you're going to leave me. Even if I thought that, which I haven't, like, thankfully, but I just feel like, and and maybe this is like my own issues coming to light, but like, I just feel like that gives them too much power that like, I think that like they're better than me or something or like that I'm like, you know, showing this like weak insecurity that like this is going to turn them off. Like, cause if and and again, like I'm projecting for sure because if my if my husband was like, I feel like you're going to leave me, I'd be like, Ugh, that's gross. <laughs> like he needs to get it together and like think that like I might leave him and like, you know, or you're <laughs> like sure. think that I'm never going to, you know, I don't know. I just, I feel like because if it were said to me, I'd be like turned off by it that I wouldn't want to say it to my partner. But I'm sure I know that if I did, he'd be like, oh no, like what are you talking about? Like never, you know.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it does sound like you're projecting. And I imagine that your husband would probably be like, meet you with like loving affection or words or something, and then you'd feel better about it. But for you, it like goes into this like power imbalance of like, what are they going to do with this power if they know that I'm feeling insecure about them leaving me? And it would make me think like, okay, I mean, maybe you've been like totally fucked over in the past because of that power. Like, Mm -hmm. has that been has that been used against you? Like, what has your experience been?
0: I don't, I mean, no, like not really. I think it's just like, obviously I've been like dumped or left in the past like everyone else, but I don't think, I, I think that it's just like, I don't know if I ever think it's a good idea to put like, every last card on the table, like, and it goes back to the 90, 10. Mm -hmm, Like mm -hmm. if I'm telling him like, oh, I think you're going to leave me, babe. Like, can you reassure me? Like, then that's like a 100. That's not (laughs) 10%. You know what I'm saying? Like, and so I think instead of that, and I've been in situations where I was triggered from something that happened with an ex, I would be like, you know, my husband's name is Steven, I would be like, Steven, like I, well, I never call him that, but I call (laughs) him the name that I call him. And then I'd be like, I need you to like stand here and not leave because Mm -hmm. like if we're in, I don't know, let's say like I'm leaving, you know, a movie and I can't find him. Mm -hmm. I'd be like, I need you to stand here and like not leave because in the past my like I had an ex who like immediately left the theater after the movie and like I couldn't find him and it just like reminds me of that and like Mm -hmm. for some reason it triggers me then he'd be like oh my god I definitely won't leave like I thank you for explaining that you know like that's the way that I would explain it yeah so you're
1: kind of saying like I will ask for the behavior I want Mm-hmm. You know, instead of being like, oh, I'm going to feel anxious and insecure if you leave me because then I'm going to yeah. feel worried and abandoned. I can't find you.
0: Right. And, and it, to me, yeah. it gets the same response.
1: It very much can. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that is, I I like how you're handling it because you're just like being super fucking direct about what you're expecting and what you're wanting from your husband. So like, good. And, and I imagine it sounds like your husband would be able to like respond to that. Really well and be like, cool, yeah, I'll do that. That's totally fine. But some people <laughs> want to be able to kind of be like, this is how like my emotional insecurity is this is what's coming up. Can you reassure me? Yeah. And I think that like, and we can talk about reassurance because that's like a fun topic to talk about. There's like, there's two different ways to look at it. Like some people wanna be like incredibly emotionally vulnerable and naked and talk about all of their insecurities and ask for their reassurance. And they want to like expect that in a relationship, and that's fine if they find somebody who's just like totally game and can give them that, and isn't turned off by it, and instead of sees it as like unattractive or icky or gross, they're just like, "Oh, this is like an opportunity for closeness." Thanks for sharing your vulnerability. You know what I mean? Yeah. What are you smirking at?
0: <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm I'm processing it. Okay, okay. I think I think you're right. I mean, like the thing is, like I think this in its like this conversation in itself is probably triggering like past things where like i never like would have asked that in my relationship now like i 100% could ask for a reassurance and he could ask for a reassurance and maybe mm-hmm. i wouldn't be icky maybe i'd be like oh that's so cute like he's obsessed with me <laughs> and like i would love that but it's just i guess it's just not like my default but i think w- w- you're right in that like With the right person, you can always ask for whatever you need. Like another example of this, and I'm curious what you think of this is like Mm -hmm. when my partner says, I love you, I always say, I love you too. I never say, I love you more, and I never would. Mm. Because, first of all, I don't. (laughs) And (laughs) And second of all, like that to me, it's like, it's like, that's where there's an imbalance. And I feel that every relationship should be balanced. What are your thoughts?
1: I love this conversation. I also have the same goal that like, I want every relationship to be balanced But it's probably unrealistic that it's always gonna be balanced and that it's going to be unbalanced every now and then. Yeah, because it ebbs and flows. Yeah. So it ebbs and flows. You're like, you know, you're you're talking about like your naming, you're talking about like keeping your power and trying to keep the balance so that everything feels like solid and you don't feel insecure. And the way that you're going about it is one way to go about it. You know, like that totally makes sense. And it seems like it works for you and your relationship. And I think that it can work for like a a ton of people in relationships. I think you're giving good advice. And there's also different ways to do it. The I love you more. I mean, it sounds very sweet. And if if somebody, if my person said, if if Stacey said, I love you more. You know what? She does say, I love you more.
0: And what okay. do you feel when she's thinking says about that. this?
1: The thing is, it's like it's a joke, but it's not a joke in the relationship. Right. Where like Stacy Skew is a lot more anxious. She's more like anxiously attached and feeling insecure and all that shit. Yeah. So when she says, like, I love you more, and I say, like, no, I love you the same, she's like, No, I love you more. It's, when is
0: Stacy's birthday?
1: <laughs> September twenty-third.
0: Oh, she's a Libra like me. Okay. Continue.
1: Yeah, yeah. She's a Libra. She's, she's yeah. And she's a lawyer. And so she's just sort of like, you know, goes for scales. like... Scales. Scales, yeah. Like, I think it's like endearing and adorable. And I don't actually... I'm not... I'm, I think maybe in my 20s or if I was another person, I'd be like, I'm going to use this to my advantage. Because then like, if Stacy continues to feel insecure, then I feel... Very secure, and there's like this game playing kind of bullshit that's going on. And if I'm that kind of person, then like I'm going to manipulate it. Right. But when Stacy says that she loves me more, I'm just like, "Well, you're just being fucking adorable." Like I see it as like endearing and cute, and I don't actually believe it. I mm-hmm. think we like love each other the same or very close to the same, and we kind mm-hmm. of go back and forth. So it depends how you take it. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. I mean, but you're like clearly a gem. And oh my God, I would say that most people are not, which is why, like, I stray away from the "I love you" mores. But, but I hear you. Like, you're, and when I say I a gem, you. I mean you are a developed guy <sighs> who is not sure. gonna fuck someone over if, it, yeah. if they could help it.
1: I'm, I'm not gonna fuck someone over. But there's like, but still, even if I'm like somebody who's emotionally mature and aware, there's still like a toxic man inside of me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I need to be aware of like when that's going to subconsciously take advantage of quote unquote Stacy loving me more because I very, there, I very well could somehow. And so if you want to avoid that altogether, then right. do what you're doing. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah I, I get it. it. Yeah.
0: Okay. Oh, so many questions and so little time. Definitely. I already sense a part two in the future. I'm here for it. Okay, so how do you know if your significant other is the one? People ask me this a lot. I do fuck? What
1: is your answer?
0: Well, there's no the one. There's one that you can work with, like that you can like be with happily and like, you know, love. I I just I think there are multiple ones, like multiple soulmates. I think that if we thought that there was only one person for us, it would be so sad for like, God forbid, losing a partner, you know, getting a divorce, you know, you would Mm -hmm. think that your life is over if the one is no longer. And so I don't think that that's the case. But how do I know that they're the one that I can marry and be happy in a happy marriage with? For me, it's like a feeling of like safety, like, and like, wherever I am with this person, like I'm good because I'm with mm-hmm. this person. Not right. like I'm wondering what else is going on over there when I'm mm-hmm. with this person. And like they meet all my needs, like my sexual needs, my, you know, emotional, emotional needs. Thank you. All the needs, you all know, the needs. and they, and challenge me intellectual needs, mm-hmm. all of that good stuff. So what
1: do you think? Yeah, I think I agree with you. I I don't, I don't think that there is the one. I think that there are many ones, actually many, many ones. There's, do you know who Esther, Esther yes, Perel? is? of course, yeah. of course. We all, all the therapists are obsessed with her as we mm-hmm. all should be. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that she says is that like, if there is no like the one there's usually like statistically there's three ones <laughs> where like there's three people that you're going to have like very like impactful, long-term romantic relationships with. And every now and then, it's with one person. And so sometimes you're like with one person, then you grow into another person, you grow into another person together. And there's sort of like three stages. But I think- And also it could be think, the
0: same person in those three.
1: Yeah, exactly. Because like I mean, if you're with somebody for 50 years, you're not the same fucking person you were when you first met them. And you like grow and develop and change into like, pretty different people like there might be like the same core person there but your relationship goes through like very different stages and you can like grow and heal and evolve with that person but sometimes like maybe like with me and Kate my marriage like we were together for almost 10 years and then we grew apart and Kate was one of my ones and maybe Stacy will be another one of my ones and maybe there'll be another one and it is it's the person that like I get along with meets most, if not all of my like big, huge needs, but also like there's a lot of positive projection where I'm like seeing them very optimistically, giving them the benefit of the doubt. I have good intentions. I know that they have good intentions and that we're like there together and we're being a team together. And you could make that work with a lot of different people. So I'm I'm also like somebody who's just like, are you the one? And is it the time? Like, are you like 30 or 40? Do you like, are you at that time where you think you want to settle down? Are they there too? Cool. That's the one.
0: hmm mm-hmm. Speaking of settling down, what is the difference between settling versus accepting flaws in someone?
1: Well, if we look at settling as like Sort of. And I think are you like asking like settling in like a negative way? Like I'm yeah. settling. Yeah. Well,
0: yeah. Like, oh, she's like so much better than him, or vice versa. And she's yeah. settling.
1: A lot of times there's just like that gut feeling of knowing that you're settling. (laughs) And that, and like that settling is coming a lot of times from like a feeling of fear of like, I can't do better, or I want to have a family, or like it's coming from a place of anxiety instead of a place of like love and inspiration and joy. Also, like you might be settling if you're finding yourself having more resentment and contempt for somebody. Like if you're staying in a relationship and you're just like, "Ah, fuck this guy. Or like, this guy's pissing me off. If you're like scanning for reasons to be like angry and contempt is anger, but it's like a very specific kind of anger where you're just like, I fucking hate you. And I'm Mm going to like (laughs) tell all my friends about how much you're a fucking turd. And I'm going to look for reasons why you're just the worst. It doesn't mean that you can't like sometimes be happy with that person. But if there's like a decent amount of contempt and resentment, and you're still with that person, you're settling. Yep. If you're accepting flaws, then you're doing the best that you can to see those flaws as endearing, as sweet, as kind of adorable, or maybe just like ignoring them, not being too bothered by them, finding levity within those flaws of like kind of making fun of them, teasing them about it, them having like a good sense of humor about it. Although there will also be shit that's like always really fucking annoying that's always going to get on your nerves. But if there's only like a small handful of those things and it doesn't turn into resentment, it doesn't turn into contempt. And you're just like, hey, stop fucking doing that then cool. Like you're accepting flaws. There's still a lot of like love and joy and appreciation in that relationship.
0: My therapist always says that. So I'll tell her about like my fights with my significant other. And I told her about one recently and I was like, and we were so mad at each other, but then like we just started laughing and she was like, if you can break out into like, if you can't hold character, a bun being mad like with your significant other from
1: time to time. Like that's such a good sign. And I was like Oh, oh. my God. It's one of the leading signs. And yeah. and and our and therapists usually call it like a rescue attempt. So when you're do you know about rescue attempts like no. When you're getting into a fight and you're just like, I want to rip this fucking person's head off. Mm -hmm. But one of you like makes a joke or cracks a smile. Then like you've made a rescue attempt Or like somebody starts laughing and you're trying to rescue the relationship and you're hoping that the other person starts laughing with you and like using levity for rescue attempts can work wonders. You can also just be like really sweet, really loving, ask to be close. You can like ask to take a break. You can like, you know, take a step back, whatever you need to do like But if you can break up fights almost on the regular, that is a huge green flag. And that's a good sign that you're you found a good match.
0: I love that. Or even just like a come here give me a hug. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. So the next question, and this is like a real, like, I want to know this, the answer to this too. Is it ever okay to suggest therapy to your partner and to your friend? Like separate to your partner, question mark, right. to your friend?
1: Yeah. I just yes, But I would want you to like, have it be an invitation to therapy. Instead of like, you need some fucking therapy, psycho. If you're using it to like shame them, tell them that they're being an asshole, telling them that they're fucking crazy and you need to go see a therapist, like you're being a piece of shit. You're like giving them like some weird, you know, you're like kind of gaslighting. It just doesn't feel good. But if you're like, if you're like inviting them in to to go talk to a therapist in order to like work on themselves or improve the relationship. I think that's totally fine and totally legit. And especially with a friend, with a friend, it's like less loaded. hope maybe probably with a friend, you're just like, I want you to get the support that you deserve, or I want you to like work through shit that keeps haunting you in relationships. I love my therapist. Have you talked to your therapist? Or this is what I get out of my therapy. And I want you to get that out of your, with your life, you know? So if you can kind of like frame it in that sort of way, I love it. But if you're mm-hmm. like using it because like you're a fucking crazy asshole, then
0: yeah, then don't do it. Then don't yeah. Do it's it. similar to, so I'm sober. And in like the program that I work, we talk about attraction versus promotion. Mm-hmm. And so if you are like, Oh my God, I love like to your friend who needs to probably get sober. If you're like, Oh my God, I love being sober. Like this, like it's really done wonders for my life. Like, like, versus Mm -hmm. like, you need to get sober. You have a problem. You were embarrassing last (laughs) night. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, there's just a way to do it. And it's really the same thing with therapy. Like if I'm always like, well, my therapist, or like if I'm always texting with my friend who definitely needs to go to therapy and I'm like, you know, not responding for a while. And then I responded, I was like, oh, sorry, I was with my therapist. I feel amazing. Mm-hmm. Just like a band-aid, just like lifted off. And like <laughs> the sunshine came in, like then they're going to be like, oh, like you're always talking about how amazing you feel after therapy. You know, maybe I should try it versus like, I can't listen to your problems anymore. If you don't talk to a therapist, I'm done. Like, yeah.
1: There's and just that's a way. And that's the thing is like it usually gets to that point where you're so fed up and you're just like please unload this on somebody else. So try your very best to not say it in that energy. Mm-hmm. Take a beat and be like more inviting about it, just like you're saying.
0: Mm-hmm. So why do we check our ex's social media when we're truly over them? <laughs> I saw the question, question. of the century. <laughs> yeah,
1: you sent me this question, and that was one where I was just like, it made me think of like my own shit because I check a handful, at least, of my ex's Same. social media account. And so I was asking myself, like, why do I do that? I think partly I'm just, you know, with some of these exes, like they were a really important part of my life. And the, the exes that I check their social media, like I don't have, we're not friends anymore. So I have no access to them. And I'm just like, what is this person fucking doing? Like they were super important. All of a sudden they're not in my life anymore. I want to know what's happening with them. So part of it is just like curiosity. Another part of it is like, I kind of hope they're having they're like struggling. <laughs> like yeah. I like, I like I, there's still some like leftover resentment or anger. And I want to see them like, but of course they're not gonna share that on social media. So it's kind right, of right, right. pointless for even for to like try to find that. Probably like a part of me is like maybe like looking for clues of like, where are they in their life? Are they feeling lonely right now? And I don't think that's, I might have to like check in with myself. I don't think it's coming from a place of like, cause I want them back, but like, I want to know I could get them back if I did want to get them back, even though I'm in like a happy relationship sort of thing. There's still this like insecure part of me. That's always like this sort of like adolescent. That's like always going to be a part of me and it's going to like, of course, I'm just going to like take a couple clicks to go check the social media profiles just to like, because I'm super fascinated. It's a problem when I'm doing it too much, or it's a problem when I'm having like emotional reactions to it, or it's a problem when I'm just like, Ugh, why is it on fucking private? Like, if it's like creating these like emotional, negative emotional reactions inside of me, then I probably need to stop fucking doing it. But It's just, it's crazy how like an ex was a big part of your life and then they're not. And this is sort of like the only way to like continue to get access to them. And because you can do it, you sort of will do it. I don't know. What are your thoughts on it?
0: Same exact thoughts, same exact reasons. A part of me is like, I want to know they all miss me, even though I hate them. Like Mm -hmm. I want to know that, yeah, like their life has gotten worse ever since I'm out of it, even Mm -hmm. though I want nothing to do with them. And their mm-hmm. life, and then, and then also, it's just like to me, it's like, what's more interesting than than stalking an ex on social media? Like mm-hmm. uh, nothing. Like I don't <laughs> care about like random friends of mine's social media. Like I'm gonna go on and support them, but like sure. the real juice is in the exes, and I think that's always been. Like the case since the beginning of social media, and then before that, I don't know what people did stalk their ex in real life, perhaps. But I, I don't know. You know, like I, 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 uh you know what? I know what people did. Like, like they they would run into each other and then pick up the phone and be like, "I ran into Jeff. He was with a sure. new girl, Susan." Yeah, you know, and it's like you know we've that we've always been curious, and like we always <laughs> will be, and I don't think that that says anything and so when like a girl reaches out to me or a guy reaches out to me and she's like or he's like I saw my ex uh, sorry their ex's name in their Instagram search is -hmm. it a red flag should I break Mm -hmm. up with them Mm -hmm. and I'm always like no it's we all do it like they're just Mm -hmm. stupid about it and forgot to press the (laughs) ex you know like that's that's it
1: You do have to like, yeah, and I support that. You do have to be smart when you're like typing in an ex's name into your search because your new person might be like a little sus about it. But yeah, I love it. I think it's really fun. I don't have any problems with it. Mm -hmm.
0: I think I will say like, I think it's more likely that you search the exes who broke up with you than the ones that you broke up with. But I do both. So I, I don't know.
1: Yeah, I think that's probably right. And the ones that maybe are just like, feel more unresolved. I mean, and most breakups do feel pretty unresolved, but they're like the really unresolved ones. Yeah. Yeah. You might be more attracted to looking looking for them. Have you ever done that thing where like, have you contacted exes, maybe exes that you don't talk to anymore, and asked them like what their experience was of you and why they think the relationship ended?
0: (laughs) Definitely not, but I have a friend who did. I have a friend who did. And the reason that I haven't is because I don't, for the most part, think they would be honest Mm. because I don't know how honest I would be, you know? Like, there's always things that you don't tell people when you break up with them. Like, I'm not going to be like, you were annoying and your feet smelled and your mom had horrible taste in... (laughs) You know like I'm not going to like I it's it's hard to not be petty when mm-hmm. they like ask um mm-hmm. but I have like spoken to I did speak to somebody who we never dated like we like we went on dates but it never turned into anything actually I didn't mm-hmm. speak to him directly I heard from his friend Mm-hmm. the reason why he never dated me. And that was like very eye-opening. What was um, it?
1: Can you tell us?
0: Yeah, of course. <laughs> I, it was because I was like addicted to smoking weed, which is like, you know, I'm, I'm totally fair. I'm sober now for for uh-huh. mostly that. And I would like wake up in the middle of the night and like smoke. And like he would be, he was just like, this is a crazy situation. Like it's enough. And I totally get that. But it was so funny because I was like, oh, that's it? Like, it was nothing else about me. Like, he was interested in me otherwise. It was just that. Like, cool. You know? So I thought that that was interesting.
1: I think it's interesting. and I think, like, I sometimes encourage people to do it if they, like, have the emotional resilience and capacity to, like, take that sort of feedback. And if they, like, ask the right exes. Because there's been times where I've done it. And one of the times it was just sort of like, I was in my late twenties and I was just sort of like shit wasn't, I just kept striking out and I wasn't like getting into like longer term relationships and I was looking for that. And so there was like a string of like women that I went on dates with that were maybe lasted like five or six dates or something. And then eventually it just sort of fizzled out. And those seemed like good people to talk to because it like wasn't, it didn't flame out and it wasn't like a horrible shit show. And I got really good feedback where like the main feedback was just like, yeah, you're just, You come off as like a little too femmy, like where I'm just like looking for someone more masculine. Mm. And I was like, oh, that's not me. Like I can't pretend to be something like I can come off as like vulnerable or sensitive or emotion. And I think that's like, I'm looking for somebody that sees that as attractive instead of unattractive. And I'm like picking these women for some reason that are like going for these like really masculine men. I need to think about like the people that I'm choosing. Anyways, I that's don't know really why I interesting.
0: Asked, no, but. that's really interesting. And I'm I'm happy that you shared your reason because I was gonna ask you the same thing. I think mm-hmm. like also doing so much like therapy therapy work with myself. Mm-hmm. Now mm-hmm. I can like reflect and see because so most of those relationships were when I was not sober. And and so between like sobriety work and therapy work, I now reflect and I'm like, oh. I can tell you the reasons that mm-hmm. this person broke up with me. Like I'm, I'm now remembering things that I've done and mm-hmm. I'm like, Oh, that's horrible. So it's like, part of me doesn't like need to ask. Cause I kind of know, but it's a bummer that I wasn't really in any like sober relationships that broke up with me because then I couldn't find that would be an opportunity for me to like mm. really do some
1: good digging and find out. But yeah, for sure. Yeah. The, the problem, the thing is, is that like a lot of times if we don't know why a string of relationships have ended, then we usually default onto our like most insecure narrative. Right. And so I was getting to this place of like, I must be a, like people can see that I'm a fucking idiot. Like, I feel like I'm really stupid. I have this fear of like this insecure of being like really dumb. And that's why these women don't want to be with me. Or like, I'm feeling really unattractive. And they're just like, Oh, this guy's like kind of fucking like, I'm just like not attracted (laughs) to him. Or like when we kissed, it was gross or something. Like there's something like, Oh, I'm not attractive enough. I'm, too fucking stupid and that's why these aren't working out. So that's why I was like good to be like, no, you're just like, I don't know, you're, you seem kind of gay. Like, we're like, oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm not, but that makes sense. I get where you're <laughs> totally. coming from. Sure.
0: Okay. I have one last question. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. we couldn't get to all of them, which means we are for sure going to have to do a part two, but <laughs> right. um, how do you break out of a cycle of bickering with your significant other?
1: It's tough because those cycles, they are like so magnetic like they like they can really sort of like breed and like become a lot of times like we are bickering because there's something that's like not being said something that's like being overlooked like you're not actually talking about the crux of the issue like the hurt or the pain or the anger whatever was like the original feeling and so now you're stuck in this thing of like a lot of times bickering ends up with like I'm right and you're wrong. Like, that's what you're trying to prove. I'm the right one, you're the wrong one. And a lot of times when you go into arguments like that, or you start to bicker like that, it's just not going to fucking work. Like, you're not going to be able to convince your partner. They're not going to be able to be like, sweetie, I was wrong this whole time. <laughs> yeah. You're obviously right. What the fuck was I thinking? That doesn't oftentimes work. So, there's like two things that you can do. One of the things is that you can try to get in touch with like, the primary vulnerable feeling. So like you're feeling angry, you're feeling frustrated, you're feeling annoyed. Those are sort of like secondary feelings to like what's really going on. So the vulnerable feeling might be like, I feel depressed. I feel sad. I feel insecure. I feel not seen. I don't feel validated. And if you can get in touch with what those feelings are, then that can be a way to like connect in a real way. And stop bickering. Another way is to just be like, look, we're coming from these two places of like me and you. We're like, we're very separate and we're just like getting on each other's fucking nerves and you're really fucking stupid. Really, you need to kind of like get back in touch with the fact that like you're a team, Mm-hmm. And you love your person. Like you really, really love and care about your person. And you actually have like the same goal to get along and to have fun and to laugh and be good. And then you, and so if you can like pivot <laughs> into like that energy of positivity or love or like good intentions, then you can stop. And sometimes it's kind of like naming it sort of like, you know, laughing about it doing a rescue attempt, like getting back in touch with like your relationship and why you're together in the first place. But those are a couple ways to go about it.
0: That's so helpful. Jeff, it's been amazing to talk to you. I'm so obsessed with this episode. Do you have a quote or piece of advice that you could leave our listeners
1: with? I'm going to say, don't be afraid to get your needs met, to ask for your needs to be met in relationship. And like we've sort of like talked about and learned in this relationship, you can come about, you can go about it in two different ways. You can be like really vulnerable. I'm feeling insecure. Like be here for me. Or you can just be like really fucking direct and ask for the behavior that you want. Because the more like I talk to people and the more work I do, like the 20 years that I've done, like it's just a lot of people not speaking up and asking for what they want. And if you can speak up, ask for, for what you want, either get that need met or you don't, and then you can make a fucking decision about what you want to do about the relationship. So speak up is what I want you to do.
0: I love that. Where can everybody find you, follow you, and
1: maybe book a session with you if you have availability? You can't book a session with me. I am way too busy. Oh. I'm sorry. I mean, well, this you can was a try. session. This, this was a <laughs> session. <laughs> if so you just replay this, exactly. If you're in Oregon, you can try to reach out because I can see clients in Oregon because that's where I'm licensed. But you can also follow me on Instagram and TikTok at therapyjeff. You can even go to YouTube and find me there. So yeah, you can reach out to me at jeff at therapyjeff. If you have any questions, I most likely will be able to respond to you directly, but I, I might use your question for inspiration to make content and create videos.
0: There you go. Mm-hmm. All right. Thank you, Jeff.
1: Yeah, it was fun to be here. Bye.